Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us for another exciting episode of Ryzen Real Estate. Today we have our awesome guest, Alicia Dale. How are you today, Alicia? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for coming in. We really appreciate you making time to come in and actually come to our, our studio space. The studio space. studio space. Outside of that too, she also brought us an outline. Uh, if you're gonna have guests yeah. on a show, pro advice, have somebody as organized as Alicia because she'll do the show for you. We're gonna have more writers on here. Yes, yeah, writers show. are a good yeah, tip. Because we got an outline, we got basically what we need to work off of at this point. Right? It's exactly right, mm -hmm. exactly. So today I'll, I'll give just a brief overview of really why we had you in. I think you have such a fascinating story in your professional investing life and your personal investing life. And we'd love to know more about that. So not to dig in too detailed yet, but why don't you just start maybe with an overview of, you know, a little bit about yourself and what brought you to us today? Sure. Um, well, uh, owning property was always a family value in my, in my family. And I remember when my parents bought their first house when I was three years old. So we rented prior to that. And it was always uh, in my mind that I'd like to invest. And I was a small business owner for 14 years. And my clients were middle market companies and either by design or by accident, they had portfolios of property. So I would hear their stories and hear them talk about it. And it just seemed like an additional smart extra revenue stream to have. One uh, business that I'd worked with was a manufacturing company in Algro Village. And that guy owned his manufacturing facility. And he said, you know, when the market goes down, I can slice it up and I can rent it out and I can sublease it. If I need to get a loan, I can take a loan against this asset. Mm -hmm. So I always have this tangible asset. And those ideas kind of stuck in my head. And when I had the opportunity to invest, I, I jumped at it. That's fantastic. I think what you just said is so critically important. I think most major investors have figured out the value of owning the asset. Right. Because it gives you options long term. If you do run into any hardship, you have something that you can divvy out and, and make some money off of, hopefully. Yeah, I call myself a micro investor. And sometimes people, you know, they're afraid to jump in because they think I'm too small. But the way I look at it is if you do something small, you can always scale. Mm -hmm. So you learn the operations, you learn the nitty gritty, and then you get bigger and you get better. So um I wanted to share this story because I think it'll help your listeners and it'll help many people out there because people don't talk about this. But my credit was nabbed in 2003. So Really? That's terrifying. You hear, about, you hear about that more frequently than you would think. Truly, you know, like top things. key things I lose sleep over. <laughs> Credit being stolen is probably wow. one of them. It's scary, especially when I've broken the news to people. You know, hey, Derek, that account doesn't look right or I don't mm -hmm. have that. I'm like, well, it's on your report. And you can just like feel the, the the fear going on. So how did you how did you discover it? What happened? Well, this I mean, was the early two thousand. So we have to kind of look at the frame of what's going on. So one of my favorite sayings is, "You can't step in the same river right, uh, twice because you're not the same person. It's not the same river." So everything I'm talking about that happened in the early two thousands is not true today. But this was in like the money heyday. I mean, they were throwing credit cards at us, you know, no interest, you know, pull this credit card and pay that credit card. Money was just falling from the sky. And I was a small business owner. I was like, this is great. So I wanted to get a credit card and I was making money and I, I'm relatively conservative, but I do take risk when it's available to me. And um, there was a credit card where I could get miles. I'm like, yeah, why not? You know, I was traveling all over the place and mm -hmm. I get denied. 
I'm like denied. So just like your conversation, you have yeah. to break that news. So I called the credit card company and they're like, you have a delinquency on your report. I'm like a delinquency. Uh, this is not possible. Wow. So they send me, I get a copy of the report and I see this delinquency. So I start digging. It's, it's, so I call and they're not nice to you when you call. I mean, these credit people are awful. And oh, yeah. they are out to get the money and they're, I don't remember how much money it was, but they're like, you give me $10,000 today and I'll make it go away. I'm like, I'm not going to give you $10,000 for At something all. I didn't yeah. do yeah. and something I don't know and something you can't document. And can these things just show up on your credit credit report? Like, don't you get warnings or something? You would think there has to be a notification or like there should have been a letter. In this day and age there is. Yeah, you I know, guess this again, is true. Like, right. This is maybe yeah. near 20 years ago. Too, right. So like stuff like that could happen. Yes. So um, I kept digging and digging and digging and I kept calling people. And I think that's one of the keys to my success. Just asking questions, finding people, don't take no for an answer. Don't uh, stick with things that don't make sense. And also know the law. I like love the law and people are so afraid of the law. Absolutely. But if you study it and you know what the parameters are, you're probably the smartest person in the room, even maybe smarter than some attorneys because they they specialize. Mm -hmm. So every attorney has their own discipline. So you yeah. can't just ask one person and then they give you their opinion and it may, may or may not be right. Correct. So what I found out was I was divorced in 1997. So it's mm -hmm. 2003. Apparently the debt was my ex-husband's. Really? But, but I still was writing against divorced many years. Yeah. So it was it his debt. Right. But it landed on my report. Wow. So my accountant, whom I adore, uh, said, oh, you're just going to have to pay it. I said, I'm not going to pay it. So I went crazy. And then I started looking and searching. And I found an attorney who um, doesn't exist today. And that's the interesting thing yeah. is when things are going on, people pop up to fight it because to do that one specific that one thing, specific thing. Yeah. Yep. so he had a firm that focused on lemon laws for cars which are not really necessary now as well as these credit things so i called hmm. him and i said you know don't i get a notice he said yes 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 all these things should have happened you should have been noticed the credit company credit card uh, report companies can't just put it on your your report like all these things need to happen yeah so he agrees to take my case in such a way where he makes money when we win. So we do it. It takes me a year. My file's this big. Wow. It's a foot big for our audience. I mean, and I put my business on hold to fight this. And my accountant said, I have never seen anyone with fire in their belly like you. <laughs> <laughs> but I was outraged. So then I'm, As you should be. I'm calling these people and they're like, you have to call your ex-husband. I'm like, the statute of limitations is up on that relationship. We divorced in 1997. Mm -hmm. Everything is split. It's 2003. So um, I won, short story, wow. and I got a settlement from the creditor and mm -hmm. the three bureaus, and but I had to pay taxes on the income. So the um, yeah. attorney took 60%, and then I got 40, but I had to pay um, taxes on the revenue that I earned. It wasn't a lot, right. like maybe five or $10,000. So I wanted to fight it, and my accountant's like, Alicia, you need to let it go. <laughs> you won. Yeah. You won it at this point, okay? You won. <laughs> Right. Sometimes you the fight is to, over. Some, the fight was over. And, wow. Um, but what I learned of this very unfortunate experience is 
most of credit uh, issues happen inside families. So if someone is a junior or their name is very similar and then the family won't prosecute against their son or their father, oh, it's just absolutely heartbreaking. And then as I was calling these creditors, you know, again, you're the smartest person in the room when you're calling these people and they would say debt is a marital asset and you are responsible. I go, first of all, it's debt and debt is not an asset. So it's not an asset. (laughs) And also I am divorced. (laughs) So I was telling my dad about it. My dad was an immigrant and um, he said, it's because you didn't change your name. Mm. So my last name was his last name, which was a very easy last name. And my family last name, um, my dad was born in Lithuania. My mom was born here, but her parents were born there. It was Vaitskas. And that was the shortened, Americanized version. The original version was Vaitskavages. So I would go to business meetings and I'd spend all my time spelling my name, talking about my ethnicity. So Dale is actually my middle name. So I dropped my name legally, and then I just made Dale my legal ass name much easier to say, and it was wow. really cool with my passport. And all this complicated, I mean, obviously it makes your day-to-day easier now, and I it know does. that too, right? It's it so does. much easier to just say a quick Matt name. Thomas, Matt yes. Thomas, Matt Thomas, it's great, <laughs> right? Yeah. To, yeah. Now, people might not remember which Matt Thomas I am, but that's a different story. <laughs> and but, you better check your credit report. And I have to check my credit report, but mm-hmm. I do, like... That is so much pain to it go was. through it to was. recover something, A, that was never yours, right. and B, to get out of something that you never started. And these like, are big agencies, and yeah. these are big companies. These yeah. are big, multi-billion dollar companies, and I'm just a consumer. Yeah. And then they're telling me I have to, in order to be able to function, I have to pay it. I'm like, well, I'm and we've seen this it. before. You hit a very important topic on the head that we have clients come to us to buy a home that don't recognize they have hanging issues from family members and credit scores. You can think of one of our earliest transactions ever. We went through a surprise bankruptcy on file. And it was because his mother had co-invested with him in college to buy the rental house. And when he moved on, she just let it fold and didn't think it would impact him. And they never thought they'd have to talk about it until he went to buy a home. And sure enough, we ran the credit report and he's got bankruptcy. So there are certain hanging issues that the reason we always say talk to Derek Sock early with your financial planner, talk about your credit score early and often is because yeah. there's significant risk if you don't know what's on your credit score. Oh, I, yeah. Especially yeah. like because we want to have some time to figure it out, too. Right. Yes. Like I've seen a lot of credit issues, some of which will take a couple months to figure out. And if you come yeah. talk to me, if you need a house in 30 days, yeah. it's going to be very, very difficult. You right. know? And one point that you touched on that I wanted to elaborate on a little bit is like, when you're dealing with the credit bureaus, it almost kind of depends who you're talking to, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. because you got to get past that first gatekeeper of who's who's picking up the phone at the one eight hundred number. And I've dealt with people who don't know what they're talking about, who mm-hmm. don't want to help, and I've also dealt with people who know exactly what's going on and will put you right forward to who you need to talk with. So, like you touched on that a little bit of like just like kind of running into a wall when you're dealing with some of these, and sometimes it just is a matter of calling back. Right. Yeah. Hanging up and calling back and seeing who you get next on the queue. Yes. And I actually did that. And my other trick was polite. Oh, as kill them with kindness. Sweet as, as you can be. Sweet right. as you can be. Because- I know you didn't cause this, but I hope you can fix it. <laughs> How you doing today? So you is went she- down this whole path with stolen credit. And now correct me if I'm wrong in the timeline here, but you recovered from that whole incident and putting your business on hold and then invested in property afterwards, correct? Exactly. And that's what I'm just learning from Derek that I, that was like a happy accident. That wasn't a smart strategic thing on my point. It was just rage of being treated wrong. And I do use Credit Karma now, so I get little little ping in sand. 
Um, you know, I see that, but I'll also add, you know, I'm such a self-starter that when I legally changed my name, I did it with NOLO.com and I can't mm-hmm. remember what the acronym stands for. Um, but I went to court and the judge said, Alicia, I'm going to have to ask you two questions. Um, they're embarrassing questions, uh, but please, you need to answer them. And one, are you trying to get out of debt? And I said, I'm not. And he said, two, are you a sexual predator? And I said, no. And those are the two things. And the other thing, and God bless him, um, he said to me, keep this document because you will need it. 100%. And get 10 copies. You're going to have to pay extra, but get them. Laminate it. Yeah. No kidding. Put it framed up on your wall. I didn't laminate it, but I do have them in my file. Now, this is 2003. We're now we're in 2022. Yeah. And um, with the pandemic, I put my primary residence on hold. Do you know I had to pull out that document? Do you sure know? Enough, How many years, years is that? 20 yeah, years. 20 years. Yeah, that's 20 crazy. Years. No I doubt mean, about it. I'm positive. That so I'm like, so thank you for that judge. And, and I think that's one of the secrets, too, is just keep talking to people and asking people and ask for people and get yeah. answers that make sense and don't stop until you do. So, yes, it was a very happy accident that that happened to me when it happened to me and nothing was going wrong in my life except right. I couldn't take another zero interest credit card and yeah. go to a cash station and get money out. But maybe that was a good thing. That could have been a good thing, too. <laughs> yeah. 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 So it was 2006 and there were no DAC loans. And I live in the South Loop. I love the South Loop. I've been there since 1995. Oh, that's um, fantastic. South Loop has changed so much since 1995. South Loop changed a lot in five years, but yeah. 1995, it's I mean, you've seen. Year. Nobody, yeah. nobody lived there. Yeah. And I know it's illegal, but even realtors tried to steer me from buying. Really? Yeah. Uh, At the time when you were buying? They were like, do not buy there. I wish that, are- that surprised me, but we've seen that in this industry for far too long. I mean, yeah. it's a serious problem. So yeah. that's terrible, but I'm glad that you persevered, you know, to well, go through. It, it was terrible. And I didn't listen to it because I grew up in Chicago. I grew up on the Southwest side in Brighton Park and I'm an urban person and I, I grew up in a city. So I know what cities are like mm-hmm. and it met all my needs. Yeah. I mean, I was close to work back in 1995. There was free parking on the streets. Um, that was really nice and it was easy to get to. You couldn't get a taxi. The taxi mm-hmm. driver drivers called it the black hole. And now they talk about a grocery store desert being six blocks, six blocks. I can walk six blocks. I mean, there wasn't a grocery store for a mile. I mean, you had to pay 20 bucks for a box of cereal at the convenience store on the counter, you know, the corner. And um, so, but it met all my needs. It Mm -hmm. was economically in the price range I wanted to be. I liked the eclectic people it attracted. Right. All interesting, different kind of people. And we had, we used to have uh, loft walks back then and it was no big deal. It was just like, uh, everybody put in $10 and you kind of show how you decorated your loft in your place. And like each place was so different and interesting. Mm. I couldn't get friends to come down. I'd like just buy a bulk of tickets and I'd be like, come on down. It'll be so much fun. They're like, yeah, no, not that neighborhood. Really? No. We're staying North. <laughs> so <laughs> different. Yeah. We're staying North. So your first investment was what type of property in South Loop? Yeah. So this is the no dot loans. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think I can name the building. It was uh, printer square mm-hmm. and um, that's 480 units and, everything was on fire. You know, the world was great and money was great and everything was perfect and no doc loans came up. And I thought, I love my little condo in the South Loop. So I'm just going to buy another little 600 square foot, no doc loan condo. Um, You know, I was a self uh, business owner. So, you know, really nice that I didn't have to go through all the rigor. Mm -hmm. 
I, I mean, I am a risk taker, but I'm a calculated risk taker. So I wasn't rogue. I mean, the way I look at it is plus or minus 20%. I mean, yeah. what's the worst that could happen? It's mm -hmm. a small condo. It's not a lot of money. I mean, I'm not going to. I'm not going to be, you know, totally leveraged if I do this. Regardless of what happens with the investment. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. But just like six months ago, when people were selling properties, $100,000 over appraisals and no walkthroughs and no, it was kind of like that. So I'm yeah. there and I'm ready to buy the property and I have my down payment. And um, all of a sudden, for no reason, because they can, they're like, we want more. I'm like, what do you want? You want? <laughs> it's crazy time. More. So <laughs> we want more. Because they so think they deserve it. They think I'm they sure deserve you want it. More. I want them to pay less. <laughs> we all want more than I think yeah. about it. So I have four sisters, and I called my one sister who's uh, older than me, and she's a CPA. And I'm like, hey, I want to buy this property. You want to go in on it with me? And she's like, oh, I don't know. And uh, you know, what about this? And can we see it? And is there a walkthrough? No, we can't. You know, this is so great, and you have to buy it. And so she gives me some money, and we buy it. And it goes underwater immediately. Mm -hmm. And it's still less than what I paid for it. So mm -hmm. on paper, this seems like a terrible investment. And I know many people would say, Alicia, you're crazy. This was not a good thing. But um, it rents effortlessly. Wow. Sure. I yeah. get the nicest tenants. It's never, ever been empty. I mean, I could write books about my tenants. One guy came from the Peace Corps. Another was a PhD student from Canada. Um, another woman was a, uh, she went to join um, the FBI. Oh, wow. I mean, just like all these, you know, young professionals, people who want to live there. It's a really cute condo. It's a sturdy condo. The management is outstanding. So if I, and it'd be interesting to get your perspective, but if I were to map it out, there's so many good things about it. Right. Great shape, great building, great management, great maintenance, um, accessible. It's right in the middle of everything, easily rents, and you haven't lost money until you've sold. Absolutely. I think that's, well, the key to this all is nothing's firm until you sell, right? So right. longevity or the ability to last is key in real estate. But I think one thing that you talked about throughout that numerous points of your decision making, you needed flexibility. Flexibility in the financing when you needed to find more cash. Flexibility in understanding the asset itself when all of a sudden it wasn't going to resale for as much as you thought it was, but you have income potential with your rent. And the last part of it is if you have no vacancy, which is a crazy thing, like that on and of itself is a golden goose, right? right? So if you have no vacancy and great tenants and it's rent rolling, you just switch investor strategies, right? To buy it and then sell it long term. Now you're just a, you're a tenant, you're a landlord. So it's so amazing to me, and I think where a lot of investors fail is you hit hiccups along the way, unexpected things that come up, particularly with financing often, mm -hmm. and people stop. They stop trying because, oh, I don't have the, the delta. I don't have the cash to close the delta. When in reality, if a good deal exists and if it's there to be taken advantage of, you can find other interested parties. And I'm glad that you called somebody you trust, like, hey, I have a sister who could get in on this. Well, and then one day she wanted out. Mm -hmm. So, and then my life was in a, a good spot and I just gave her a check. And then right. being the accountant, she said, well, you know, we need to still look at it in a market analysis. We need to, I said, you know what? You gave me 10 grand. God bless family. I was like, you're out of here. But also this was such a huge act of trust because it was all in my name. Right. So she was willing right. to give me the money, but uh, she was not willing to put her name on it, which was actually probably wise. But, um, you assume the risk, she'll assume the finance. I don't think like, she gets any of like the, uh, the, 
the profits. That's she right. wouldn't have yeah, gotten right. the profit she had there the been God. had yeah. there been profit, but also she, you know, we're just different sides of the same coin. Right. You know, right. I'm plus or minus twenty percent. Right. I'm like, let's roll with it. I feel good about it. And I listened to your podcast and Derek, I heard you say I love your words about flexibility and how you frame that like I was so smart, but it was really like, eh, you know, I just want to do this. And um but you talk about a buy side analysis and I call it a real estate vibe. Yeah. Like I have a real estate vibe and that my vibe says this little condo is a little golden goose. I mean, I right. just love it. And, you know, I've been there now for 30 years. I never, ever, ever expected to be in the South Loop for 30 years. But one thing I thought is like I could, um, you know, if I had a family member mm-hmm. that wanted to stay or one of my nieces and nephews, maybe they'd want to go to school downtown Chicago. None of these dreams panned out yeah but it's still there or say for instance like i needed a caretaker in my life mm-hmm. i could put them in that condo and yeah. then they could come over and everybody has their own space so i mean i love it well I, and south loop is continuing to develop you just got so the nema well. building among others which is one of the yes. most expensive in chicago right so uh, i think that there's a lot happening in south loop that is continuing in a positive trend Right. It, you're right. 20 years ago, nothing was happening. But now everything you hear about South Loop is new development, new business, new commercial space. So, and, and I wasn't brilliant. I just liked it. And, and, that's, it, and it, fed my, it so met smart. my needs. Yeah. It met my needs. It wasn't that I was thinking like, wow, this is so great and I'm going to make all this money. So then when I bought that little condo and it and it still is less than I paid for it all these years later, um, my attorney is like, Alicia, you want to make money, you need to buy multi-unit property. Right. That's what you need to do. And I was like, hmm. So that little seed was in my head. And I was afraid. You know, it's like, how do I manage? I don't change a light bulb. Right. Nothing. I have zero kinesthetic ability. I'm a thinker. I know. I'm organized. I'm a communicator. But I don't do stuff. Mm-hmm. Fair. And- <laughs> that makes you a great property manager. <laughs> yeah. I don't do anything. Um, but I'm a great communicator. And I'm wonder- wonderful at finding experts and yeah. contractors and I treat them well and, and they love it and we just have such great partnerships so everything's going great my business is going great everything's wonderful 2008 hits mm. and 2008 was like nothing anybody had ever seen and now we're not even that far away from it people don't even remember but it's amazing my business owner colleagues were begging to keep their kids in college and I had worked in uh, at a bank at one time and I worked in the Community Reinvestment Act and I was the marketing specialist and I'd go out with the mortgage broker and uh, he was a, a black man and we'd go into the church basements and we'd say, don't worry, the bank doesn't want your property. And we believed it 100 percent because that's what we were told in those years. And then 2008, everything was different. Then- I mean, it just was it was so horrendous. So I my business was largely focused on sales mm-hmm. and finance. So one of the things you learn in sales is interest rates aren't an excuse. The economy is not an excuse. Make one more one one more phone call, but everything was falling apart. Yeah, like everything I did to run my business was not working. I used to rent a hotel room downtown, and I'd do a conference, and I'd invite people, and they'd come, and I'd I'd get ROI. Nothing, just down, wow. down, down. I got really depressed. I'm not. Uh, not reluctant to admit that. Yeah, I don't think you were alone in that either. I feel like people are going through some of that right now too. You know, yeah, just like similar vibes falling apart. Yeah. yeah, I mean, when people see that, one part that stuck out to me is like whenever you hear or read about investing, it's always about just just doing it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, just jumping in and doing it. It seems like that's what you did. 
right? Yeah. Well, you know, again, like, and you had no idea this was coming, obviously, no but still, idea. I mean, you can't time the future. You know, you can't time the future, and you can just like I, that's one thing too. I look at it, I look at it as look at the landscape of your life. What's going on right now? Yeah. So I had a successful business. Everything was great. You know, one time credit fl- flowed freely, but right now the world is falling apart, and my intellectual mind went. Interest rates are low, properties are abundant. Mm-hmm. Take the money you have left and put it in a property. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I started looking and now my income was like nothing. So yeah. I'm at, I'm, I've got like $200 a month coming in and my mm-hmm. expenses, and I, I'm conservative. So my expenses, my living expenses, like 2000 a month, but you know, I'm way under Still, yeah. right? There's a 10X delta. Yeah. <laughs> Let, let's look at that yeah. percentage yeah. wise. It's like 10% and... Um, you know, I remember I had to go to a credit counselor and she was like, Leisha, are you giving up your Starbucks? I'm like, I am. I've given them up. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I'm just trying to like survive and see what's going on. In that situation, those little, those little increments matter. Absolutely. Uh, oh my goodness. Yeah. So I, um, started looking and I started looking with a realtor, a good friend of mine, um, who was in a business group with me and I'd hear her talk every week and I'd hear the attorney talk every week. And Mm -hmm. so what that did for me was being in a business group with real estate professionals was it demystified it for me. I was like, I could do that. I could do that. You know, I'd hear their stories and I'm like, Hmm. So I called her and um, we started looking and her world was falling apart as well. Real estate was falling apart as well. So she became certified as a short sale specialist. Wow. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was really cool. And those, those, we still have short sale specialists, certainly, but there are fewer of them. But I think yeah. there was a time and period where short sales were like the abundance That's of what transactions. people were only looking for. Right. Yeah. It was every yeah, investor, every buyer. Ago. Yeah, they're back. Uh, we still have yeah, some. You know. Less so in Chicagoland, but they're out there. Yeah. But. So in Chicagoland, I understand that they're very, they were rare at that time. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Foreclosures were one thing, but short sales weren't another. So I was just looking. I yeah. just kept looking and I really wanted to uh, buy in Avondale. Oh, and I love if, Avondale. I love yeah. Avondale. I'm thinking about the contrast of Avondale and South Loop in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, Avondale reminded me a lot of Great Park where I grew up. You know, walkable yeah. community, bread and butter community, mm-hmm. you know, families, multi-level, multi-level living. I just really liked it. And we looked and looked and looked and it was awful. Yeah. I mean, as much as the recession hurt me as a small business owner to see what it did to families was heartbreaking. Yeah. So we would go into these um, buildings and kids in their school uniforms would be showing us the buildings and there were holes in the floor. And I mean, everyone was just hanging on by a very thin thread. And because I didn't have any money, I was taking the bus from the South Loop or the L to get to Avondale or whatever. And I was looking at all these properties on my own, which in retrospect wasn't so smart from a safety perspective. And people were angry. So they were running the water Mm -hmm. so that the pipes would break and just bad, bad things were happening. And I just kept looking and looking and looking. And I suppose it was a buy side analysis, but I was looking for that property that would fit my vibe. And I found one luckily in Irving Park. Yeah. So I was like, oh my gosh, I wasn't expecting to get the Irving Park neighborhood. I was expecting to get that, but it was just, it was great. It was close. Now what I used to do, I really cared about being close to transportation, but now with Uber and Lyft and other options, I don't think that that's as important as it is. We used to hear it a lot more and we've heard it a little bit more as Uber and Lyft prices have gone up yes, because now that it's up. not getting its price effective when it costs you $30 yeah. to go to work, when it used to cost you 15 
that's a different situation. So I will say I'm starting to see transportation come back into play. Okay. But yeah, you're absolutely right. With this evolution of rideshare or Divi or apps or even Scooters. people ride bikes or you know whatever, uh, people it, have figured it out. The other thing I like to do is I like to be right next door to the pool neighborhood. Because mm -hmm. that worked for me in the South Loop. That's still like the most sound investor strategy ever. You go on the bleeding edge of the most up and coming neighborhood and you wait for the overflow because inevitably it happens. Well, when I was in the South Loop, I thought I get everything the Gold Coast gets, mm -hmm. but I have a less prestigious zip code and a lot less expense. Yeah. But I still get everything they get. Same access. I can access, go to the, theater, yeah, I can right. go to the, the lake, lake. I can, right. you know, so yeah. being next door. So uh, Irving Park is just a little bit west of um, Wrigleyville. Mm -hmm. And you can take a shuttle bus there and you really? can, you know, do that if you want to do it. But you're not going to have people partying till three in the morning, which Correct. I think is very nice. That is not like living on Clark Street in Lakeview, right? It's a, it's a very different it's a, thing. It's a benefit. Yeah. yeah. So after a year of looking, taking buses, walking, losing weight, because I was And that's important too, a year out. of looking while being stressed, while being in this situation. I mean, you don't always find these opportunities quickly as no. I know buyers are experiencing now because the time it takes to find it's, you know, a home in this limited inventory is very difficult. Yeah. But you stuck it with it for a year of looking. There's nothing else going on. Yeah, I guess that's true, right? And you had an idea of why it was important, right? Yes. And so it was just about, it was not a matter of like, will I find it? It's just when. You know it's out there, you gotta find it. When. Yes. Right? And also my realtor stuck with me. Yeah. So that that's was important. that was very important. And um, so I found it, and here was a mistake I made, and I'll share it for the audience, was I thought because people lived in something, it was livable. Mm. Yeah. So there was, you know, just because yeah. it wasn't. It's sad, but you find out quickly. That's short sale status, like the um, gas was hooked up illegally, the electric was hooked up illegally. Um, and it was a very sad story. It was, uh, everybody was trying to make their, their billions. And it was a family that lived in it for 13 years. And the son was going to make his money in real estate. And the family went behind him and he just got upside down, which was mm -hmm. very easy to do back then because. Mm -hmm. It was just all over the place. So um, I was hoping to be able to do it on my own. Yeah. And I got close, but then I was very naive about repairs. I thought, mm -hmm. code of paint. <laughs> code of paint, be done, right? Not the case. <laughs> yeah. Some foundation I've issues I've been in issues so often. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So I call my sister again. Hey, I found this building. The world's falling apart. We're the single ones. It's me and you. She has two kids. I was like, it's <laughs> us. I was like, we need to do this. All the guys that I work with, they help each other. They invest in each other. We need to do it. And she says, yes. That's yeah. amazing. I love it. Did she parlay that extra $10,000 into it or what? <laughs> she might have. <laughs> I have ideas. She can write a check. So um, my realtor is like, I cannot believe that yeah. you convinced a single woman with two children in college the to invest invest yeah. in this crazy idea. But I did. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, again, it comes back to the basis though. You had a plan, you found an idea, you found something that would work. Okay, we made a mistake. We underestimated the budget for the renovations. That's absolutely fairly common. <laughs> I was going to say that happens the majority of the time. With and now it's even harder to guess with how expensive everything is. Yeah. But I think that in the grand scheme of things, it, it goes back to the premise of the better prepared you are and the more focused you are on what you're seeking, the more you can ignore the bullshit, right? Mm -hmm. And the bullshit would be, oh, all of a sudden I'm a little bit shorter. I made a mistake on my repair values. But as long as the idea is sound and you're focused, 
you normally can get through that and you can still find success. Well, I love talking to you both because you make me sound so much smarter than yeah. I really am. <laughs> <laughs> we'll really be lucky to get I will right. rewrite this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it, actually, the way you're feeding it back to me, that is true. I just didn't look at it that way. Mm-hmm. So now we have it and we buy it. And I'll share this. Um, so we're at the closing table. And then, uh, you, you know, um, I don't even know what it's called, but like when there's outstanding liens or taxes. Oh, yeah, unclear or title or cloud on stamps, title. Mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. So I'm there with my attorney and we're at the table. And I think Janine, uh, my sister gave me power of attorney. So, no, she was there actually. <laughs> and um, she was there. So we're there and I'm sitting across the table from a mother and a son. And the mother's dressed beautifully and the son is, of course, very remorseful. And, and they're losing their family. Gosh, home. you're bringing me back in time because we really very rarely do closings now where all parties are there. We, um, we, I don't think I've ever been to one. We, we've learned our lesson that it can create some tension. Uh, <laughs> oh, from both separate rooms. So we now have sellers pre-signed docs yeah. and buyer signs on their own. But I'm thinking about literally the situation of you being in this room with this family. I mean, I, I actually can't imagine. That's like a whole new level to this. Well, my very first home was a bungalow and we bought from the neighborhood crazy lady and she lost it at the closing. And she kept saying we were stealing from her. And she said, you know, just kept crying. And I was like, we don't have to do this. And the attorneys are running around. We have to do this. And the real estate <laughs> yeah, agents are, yeah. we have to like, do you this. You guys should close. Yeah. Just close. <laughs> just close. We yeah. did close, but I thought, hey, I don't want to be responsible for stealing all your family memories. You yeah, know, okay. that's what you think. But yes, yeah, so we were, it was tense yeah so i'm glad to hear that they don't do that anymore actually with my last closing i was not there and i thought it was due to covid but the emotional uh strain of it was rough and And somebody feels like they're in that situation particularly maybe feels like they lost or they're being taken advantage of and you don't want that to come through and you're not trying to do that necessarily but it's it is a reality. Well, and because it was a short sale situation, there were offers that fell through right so they had been through this a couple times right and I don't remember the exact thing, if it was taxes or liens or whatever, but they didn't have it. And they needed to come up with maybe $1,500 or something, and they didn't have it. So they're like, we do not have it. We've been through hell and back, and we don't have it. it. So my attorney looks at me, and he says, no, you're not doing this deal. So then he pulls me over to like where the coffee station is. He's like, no, I'm your attorney. I'm advising you. Don't do it. And he goes, you're going to get into an eviction situation and your whole life is going to be awful. And I just, again, I want to hear your words, but I trusted my vibe. And I went, I'm sitting across the table from a mother and a son. And they've lived here for 13 years and they've been on this block forever. And I'm going to go with it. I'm going to go with it. Good I'm going to roll the $1,500 and I'm going to, he's mad at me. We're yelling at each other. And because we're like brother and sister now, we go back 20 years. I'm happy to hear you have an attorney that will fight for you that hard. Because yeah. if you're, if you're, if you're in a fight like that with the professionals Ooh. you're working with, he will fight. that is for your best interest, right? It's not because they're, they're against you. They're just worried. Right. That was exactly right. And that's what I said to him. You are my attorney. You are advising me. I see it clearly. Right. I'm going to jump. But I'm choosing to go the other way. I'm going the other way. That's true. But Five I advisors. Hear yeah. I hear you. So we do it. But Good while you. I'm reckless, I'm not dumb. Yeah. So then I find my contractor. And um, that's a whole nother story. But I'll give you a quick story on the, you know, we close and my contractor's like, okay, I see what you did. Mm-hmm. Every day at 6 a.m. we're starting to work. 
Yeah. So, you know, we don't make it easy for them to stay there. We get there, we're cleaning, we're yeah. working, and man comes out. He's it like, is very well, clear we're moving forward. We'll be gone in six days. And I'm like, okay, you know, mm-hmm. and then they just left tons of garbage and tons of stuff. But they did leave, and I didn't have to go to an eviction um, an eviction place. And uh, the mom, when she left, uh, the house was on Sacramento Avenue, and she said, this house is going to bless you. And it did. That's yeah. great. And I it's think it's called Sacramento. You can't, um, you can't really put a word or a system to identifying the people across from you in a deal. It's one of the most difficult parts of negotiating in reality, is because we only have so many terms we can actually work within a contract. And then there's the people involved, and the people involved are the hardest part to figure out. And so when I hear you know your attorney advising you not to do it, his fear goes to these are the worst people I've ever seen. They're here to screw you. Right. right. And that's the like a professional training because we're all trained in some sense to sniff that out. But what you made, and this is a tough decision that every investor has to make, is you just weigh the individual sitting there and it's okay. Do I feel confident that if I make this decision that they'll uphold their end of the bargain? Right. Mm-hmm. And I think what you did on top of that that was intelligent is you had a plan for, okay, how can I make sure that happens? Right. Because that's yes. the other part of it. Yes. Um, Mitigated risk. But what I love about your story, and it's come through in a lot of different ways, but you had an attorney who was was there to help you through things. You had your sister who was there to help you through things. We just talked briefly about how you found contractors to help you through things. The relationships that you built mm-hmm. along the way. And it goes back to your point of, I know how to plan everything. I don't do anything. (laughs) When you have everybody in place, you don't need to do it, right? Like you have an attorney, you've got a contractor, you have somebody who can help you on the shortage of financing. So you've got individuals that you can now pull in. That's when we talk about an investor team or making your strong team. That's a team. That's how you get a team. And it happened over time, but you developed it. And that's incredible. It's so true. And I just want to also say that I was prepared for it all to fail. Mm, yeah, I was yeah. intellectually so people think like, oh, you're so smart, and I was like, oh, yeah, well, you know, I kind of was smart, but I was also terrified a lot of the time, and just waiting and fully understanding that this could all go underwater, and then what would I do then? Failure is a very real option in real estate. I think people mm-hmm. tend to think maybe it won't do as well as I yeah. thought it would. No, it could just <laughs> it fail. Could just, it could blatantly just blatantly fall, fail. Blatantly yeah. fall flat. It could so absolutely. <laughs> Which it happens. You it know? does I mean, happen. stuff happens all the time. But I think you have to have the mentality of, okay, if that happens, what would I do? You always want to have a contingency plan. You don't want it to happen. But it, what is it like plan for the worst, or expect the worst, plan for the best, or I forget, plan for the worst, expect the best. There you right. Go. Yeah, exactly. So my realtor introduces me to a contractor and he meets me and he says, you are the single most naive person. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, we're going to basically do a gut rehab here. You thought it cost how much? Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. That's what it cost to get me out today. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, four months to get me back, too. Yeah. And again, as serendipity would have it, because we closed in 2010, because I looked for a year, 2008 happens, we don't know what's going right. on. 2009, I look, we closed in 2010. Short sale takes time. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, well, that's, oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. My uh, realtor, because nobody knew what a short sale was, mm-hmm. and she was short sale certified. So again, we're the smartest people in the room she got it in in six months that's not bad great for it was a short sale. Crazy. we see some of these go a year plus oh, it's like I've ridiculous seen them, I've seen them over 18 months before and it was only because she was so organized yeah she was yeah. so organized. well and she was probably doing what you do which is you keep calling and you keep pounding and you keep getting that person on the phone and then yeah. eventually you get a push through 
Yeah. Well, and she was a school teacher for a long time, and then she got a master's in organizational development. She worked wow. in corporate America for years. She That's the right the short sales specialist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then she went into real estate in her early 50s, and then she did it for 20 years, and she just wow. recently retired. But she's still investing, and we're still friends. So that yeah. goes back to that. Um, relationships. So we got it through in six months and she'd be calling and they wouldn't know what it was. And she'd yeah. be like, here's what it is. Right. And then she'd fax it and then she'd it keep is. it and she'd stay right on top of it. So the contractor, he's like, who is this woman? And she's like, she's kind of onto something. So he did what I did at a much larger scale. Hmm. So he got investors and then he started buying buildings and turning them and around. Turning them. And um, But he said, here's what I'm going to do for you. You don't have enough money. I'm telling you right now. And he said, so you're going to give me your money right now, and that's going to pay for my hard dollar costs. And we're going to turn you around as fast as we can. And as soon as you're earning income, you're going to pay me back. That's and amazing. It was wow. amazing. Truly, that's like a gift from God from a contract. It was a gift from God. Do they still do that kind of stuff these days? Wow. And we did <laughs> it. <laughs> kind of very lean to business professional. Yeah. Yeah. We did it on a handshake. Yeah. 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 We just did it on it. But when I we think talk about old school business, that is old school business. Old school business and, yeah. we, and I think it was just, again, that relationship, that trust. And he said, I don't meet people like you. I right. don't meet people like you who are like thinking of the greater good and thinking of everybody and thinking of the mother and the son. Right. You know, it's funny. That's he made the same decision with you that you made with the mother and the son. He looked at it. Mm-hmm. All risk says, don't yeah. do this. This is dumb. She can't pay for it. And he chose to proceed because of the person. Well, and and his business partner was not happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine he's too jacked up. That means they're good though. business partners. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he had the same business partner I did, but I think the business partner got happy when uh, they started Once doing started it on a big, scale right because they had way more money than me and what he said to me was i cannot keep my guy you can't keep good people working if you don't have work and he said i'm getting ready to lose my people so he didn't really know what was going on so we got it done but i still didn't have enough money to make it perfect so i could only go as far as i could go um and then i got into tenant management when i got tenants i would start with a story because everybody's afraid of tenant management and Mm -hmm. My realtor said, the tenants you choose are the single most important decisions that you make. So I would start with a story and I'd say, I grew up on the southwest side. I grew up in a three flat. My parents and I and my sisters lived on the bottom floor, rented the second and the third floor. Whoever woke up first, they shoveled the snow. I don't expect you to shovel the snow. I have a person to do that. But I want you to know that this is your home. I bought it with my sister. Mm -hmm. This is our retirement plan. We have nothing else. So I need you guys to work with me. And if there's something wrong, I'd like you to call me. So even if you think you can fix it, I'd like you to call me. Um, You can have pets. You know, I learned that from reading a book about rental management, like make sure that they know it's their home. You can Mm -hmm. use the yard. Um, That's great. I I want you to enjoy this. And I had had really nice tenants. And that is so different, I think, than most landlords in my experience it is very much not about the tenants it is Uh about the landlord and about the unit itself essentially Uh like a list and the rules that they have particularly around dogs or use of problem space or anything Uh like that is usually meant more sort of perseverance of the property than it is enjoyment of the tenant right like they're worried about their asset not the people using it and that's such a different mentality mm-hmm. than the way you're describing your landlord relationship. Well, and that's why I think private ownership is so important. As we go to corporate ownership, mm-hmm. they're not going to care. I mean, we're seeing that now, aren't we? They buy in waves, right? We've got Blackstone mm-hmm. buying tens of thousands of properties, they're all single family, and they're renting them out. Those are portfolio properties for them. They don't care about your living experience. They want you to pay them until they sell it. That's what they want. 
you know, yeah. dealing with issues, you're going to get like a 1-800 number. You'll get a 1-800 mechanics not, number. Not, and this is what we partner with regionally. Yeah. Right? Wow. So it, it's, it's crazy and it's gotten worse. And I think the reason you see so much negative sentiment out there around landlords Ooh. is because those are what people think of when they see landlords. They yeah. see people who are unresponsive. They don't care about their tenants. They don't care about the asset really other than the money it's making them. Whereas this situation, this is a situation where it's very personal to you. As you describe it, this is my retirement plan. Yeah. I need you to help me take care of it. Yeah. And I think there are a lot of tenants who will hear that messaging and respond very well. It's not surprising you've gotten good tenants. They did. And um, also, I would say, but your part of the equation is you have to pay the rent. Yeah, I can't right, float right, it. Right, right. I can't worry about it. I can't chase you down. There are some things that are just non-negotiable. That is you know, non-negotiable. Is I will yeah. take care of everything else. And I did take a security deposit. Even though it's very hard in the city of Chicago, it's not impossible. Nothing's impossible. No, you just got to do it the right way. Right. You just That's do it exactly the right, way. right. Follow the steps A through Z exactly as written and you'll be fine. Totally. That's yep. exactly what I did. And then I would take the security deposit and I would say my intention is to give it back. Mm -hmm. This is just our contract that this is going to look like it looks today. And I plan to give it back. And I always, I've never kept anything on a security deposit and uh, give it back. And that works out just fine. I prefer to take security deposits. Some people are afraid, but mm -hmm. I do it. And then here's another uh, nugget from my attorney is if they don't pay on the fifth, you have to send a letter. You yeah. have to send a notice. And he said, Alicia, I know you have a big heart, uh, but you need to send the letter because if you don't send Legally. the letter, mm -hmm. um, then things are going to get bad. And then if there is a bad situation, they can ghost on you somehow and you can't find them and you can't serve them, but send them the letter. So what I would do on the fourth, and these are all busy people. Mm -hmm. And I would say, today's the fourth, tomorrow's the fifth. I just want you to know, I'm sure you're going to pay it. But my attorney says that I need to send you a delinquency notice. You know, I know you're going to pay it, but you know, but just, I have to do this, but I have yeah. to do this. And then boom, I get the money. Mm -hmm. you you know, um, yeah. but again, it's just knowing the process, knowing the system, communicating it well. Um, and then with tenants, I like turned over every stone to find people. So yeah. rental agents will work with multiple people. I would do that. Um, back in the olden days, I would put flyers together and I would put them, but now, you know, social media is better uh, for that. Yeah. And, um, I would tell people and I would be very careful about how I write the ad. And I know you have to be careful, but in my downtown studio, I really prefer somebody who doesn't have a big SUV. Now I yeah. can't tell them to have it or not to have it, but right. it's really not the lifestyle you're looking for. You're looking mm -hmm. for somebody who bikes or you're looking for somebody who walks to work or walks to school. So in my write-up, I would write, you know, very walkable community, right. rated highly, bike, scoot, walk to work, you know, and yeah. I would just like totally to write real estate descriptions. And I would just like totally avoid the whole car thing, yeah. you know, and yeah. um, because there is parking down in the South Loop, but in that lot, your car's going to get all banged up. So uh -huh. do, do you, I'm curious from a lending perspective, do you see investors like this who, who trail the city? Because I think your story is so interesting. Like you invested first in your local neighborhood, right? What you knew most. Mm -hmm. And then your secondary expansion was, okay. Now I want a multi-unit. I have this idea in my head of actual multi-unit investing. And you, you had a neighborhood, but you sacrificed on the neighborhood when you couldn't find a matching asset, right? So I'm curious, when you see other investors going through this process, and I know yep. what I see from the actual search, yep. do you find that that's the most logical place they start? Do they start in their local neighborhood and then expand out? Is it usually like neighborhood independent? I find that most people want to be somewhere close to where they're at. They do. Right. Yeah. Because again, if you're going to be dealing with issues, you want to be able to get there. Right. Now, the one thing that you touched on during that question that I find 
often is people always start kind of big. Hey, Derek, I want a four unit property, right? I want a three unit property, whatever it may be. And they typically end up buying a single unit property. They default down. Yeah, because they don't know all the capital that goes into Mm. it or they kind of dig into it and they'll look at the property with Matt and when he's going through it unit by unit, they're starting to see all the work add up and they're like, this seems to be a little much. Everybody's always surprised that the rent is softer than they advertise. Right. There's just unexpected things. This seems a little much. So I find people oftentimes they start off being like, hey, let's look at three or four unit buildings. I want to, you know, let's start to search up at a million bucks and then they buy a $300,000 single family condo. And then, right. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think I would be the same way where it's like, let me dip my toes into the water. Let me figure this out a little bit before I go take on a million dollar multi-unit. Well, I wonder, did that, do you feel that you had more confidence going into the multi-unit because you had gone through this process with the smaller units first? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That with my attorney's guidance. Right. And then when he just explained it, mm-hmm. you know, he said, um, regardless of how great that condo ever is, you're never going to have control over the assessment fees. Right. And those are going to go up and up. And yeah. we talk um, about that with people all the time. Your property taxes and your assessment fees are the two things you have very little control over. So, mm-hmm. you know, you have to bake that in. And Every owner in the world has to deal with property taxes, but the assessments you control and mm-hmm. you can choose buildings that have lower or higher or none. And I think that that was it, like coupled with my experience and his stories and his advice. I was like, oh my gosh, that's just exactly right. And yeah. then also I had the courage because I'd already done that. Mm-hmm. So that's now, a big thing too. You would, you would succeed it. Not only done it, but done it more than once and been through it and been through mm-hmm. difficult processes every time. Mm-hmm. Like you have such a unique buying process. All three were independently you know, difficult on their own, right? But for different reasons. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. In worst case scenario, you can always call your sister too, right? <laughs> Get her back into it. Um, you know, she actually, now that we've divested of the property and it, it was totally an accident, it was no big deal, but she um, retired and uh, she has two grandchildren now. She has nice. two daughters and uh, another grandbaby on the way. Wow. And she congrats. said, yeah, it's exciting. And she said, you know, I'm ready to get out. Yeah. It was just serendipity that we got out at the top of the market. Wow. Yeah. I mean, we got it. It was, we bought at the bottom and we got out at the top, but it wasn't like we were so brilliant. It was just like, now's the time, but we would have won no matter what because right. we bought so low um but it was crazy time six months ago which now it's at a whole new crazy time isn't it ridiculous so how fast that went complete yeah. opposite side of the spectrum i can't right now. even believe it we were getting like 18 offers on the building one was a hundred thousand dollars over ask wow so i was a little bit nervous about the hundred thousand dollars over ask so i googled the person's name on the application and no digital footprint none so really? I think none. Everybody, That's impossible. Everybody has a digital phone. <laughs> Somebody has something Evolved out there. That yes, exactly. So I call my attorney. He goes, "Wow, you're really smart." He goes, "That was so smart that you looked at that." And I said, "Well, I used to do it on my tenants, and it just made me nervous." So since we didn't say yes within 24 hours, that buyer moved on, mm-hmm. and my realtor said, "That's really bad practice. We don't encourage that, but everything's bad." But we still got over a list price. Yeah. Um, but. I, that just made me nervous. I just didn't feel good about it. But even people now criticize me today, like, "Oh, you you should have taken that hundred grand over." I was like, "I mean, if they're not real, they're not." That's we whole, already won. You know, yeah. we have believe it or not, we doubled our money. We more awesome. than doubled our money. Yeah. So. We have horror stories, and I I wish I could explain to you on a psychological level the thrill of this. But we have people who hunt for the sake of hunting. 
and they will make oh. offers with funds they never have. They'll focus on houses they never intend to buy. Oh. They'll get everybody tied up in it down to the point of doing inspections and appraisals with no intention of finishing the process. I had no idea. I yes. think to some extent, it's like a faking a status thing. We often see oh, one side of a spousal relationship very interested in a home and then it just falls apart for God knows how oh, many yeah. reasons. But we see this fairly often and it's a very strange. So when you say, you know, did I make a board? I don't know. I mean, if you can't find and vet somebody, right? It, that's a very risky scenario. I mean, we, we had someone last last year who wanted to call and put in an offer. I think the property was $2.5 million, mm -hmm. you know, mm. went through the whole rigmarole, showed us this, the, the, the source of funds and they put in an offer. It got a call from the listing agent immediately. He's like, I know this person. Oh wow! And I go. This offer is not as is like is basically worthless. Wow! So then we got back into it. We started looking at some of their bank statements and what they provided. A lot of it was manipulated. Yeah, a lot of it was faked. Oh my gosh! Now I'm getting scared again. Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> well, let me you tell may you. Have avoided a yeah, pretty well, nasty well, situation. There, there, there's no way you can really get that past nowadays. Like yeah, the loan it's process. Harder. Maybe with like the no doc stuff. But mm. it was just bizarre that the listing agent knew. They're like, yeah, I've, I've ran into this fellow before. Like, oh, yeah, they, we start to know. They're doing There's some this. people out there. Yeah, yeah. it's bizarre. Wow. So don't don't beat yourself up too much because you may have made a great decision. <laughs> I feel like we did. It like closed really did. quickly. And, we, you know. And we, you still made great money. Over we made great like money. This. And my yeah. sister and I said, you know, we are not here to leverage people. I mean, yeah. we, we yeah. did this. It worked out. We're excited. Um, everything's great. So as far as what we'll do in the future, she may invest with her daughters. They have um yeah they're both married to men from uh iowa and they keep going back to see those families so my sister's like why don't we buy something Best maybe we iowa. create an airbnb yeah. or you know then when uh, we go we'll have some so kids smart. and yeah i think that would be really nice and we also have like a good foundation so as far as um working with my sister i wanted to put together a contract and she said no so what i did was i put together what i called a letter of agreement and mm -hmm. um just bullet points of like um how you're going to you handle know, and manage stuff. Yeah, like what our thought process was. And we were both single at the time. And I said, so it's our property. Like right. if we get together with someone else, it's not going to be their property. It's our property. And, yep. you know, even though, you know, it may not be smart on paper, we'll just split everything 50-50. Expenses, right. this, that. And, you know, so boom, boom. And then we would have breakfast once a year, either at my house or house. We'd investor have, meeting. Yeah, we'd have an investor <laughs> meeting. I love your words. Yeah. And we'd sometimes cook or sometimes go someplace and we'd talk it again and we would just like reevaluate. And right. that's when we decided at that one year, like, no, I'm done now. And I was like, okay. That's the best way to do that though. Come to, if you are going to do partnership agreements, have a strategy so that if somebody is going to exit, they can exit in an equitable way and it'll mm -hmm. be, you know, it doesn't have to be nasty. Partnerships don't have to dissolve. Well, and I'm like going through that right now with his brother it's, with yeah. a second home and they didn't necessarily have the conversations mm -hmm. that you and your sister had. And it's definitely caused a riff. Yeah. Right? You know, mm -hmm. they, they're having issues because one wants to sell, one doesn't. And uh, the one that, wants to sell can't like buy the other guy out right or he can't get and then bought he gets stuck yeah. so they're basically yeah. kind of like bashing heads here about this property well and we did have rips but what happens with people you love is i can't even remember them but yeah, i remember fighting i yeah. remember yeah. i remember yeah. arguing and i remember going toe-to-toe -to -toe. um but you know we would work it out we have good you know family foundation our parents would haunt us if they ever found out we had something to <laughs> yeah. <talk> to each <laughs> other. Just, Absolutely. That's a good way of looking at that. Yeah. I like that. Absolutely wouldn't happen. But again, she, you know, being more rigid, she, um, rigid, I don't know if she'd like that word, being more disciplined. Yeah. Um, she created a trust so that, you know, should something happen to me that 
uh, it would uh, go to their daughters, but she also made sure that her daughters couldn't cut me out. Yeah, that's great. That was really nice. And we also found a female attorney in the western suburbs who helped us put it together. And she I was, love the all-female work on this. Like, yeah, yeah, she was team. loving yeah. it. Yeah. She yeah. was going, oh my, oh my gosh, that's so great you did this. And then um, I actually, at that point, I created an estate plan because I am a risk taker and entrepreneur. I do do things that you know some people might find somewhat risky. And I left everything to her yeah. just in case, you wow. know, just to like have yeah. that like that that verification that I'll always do the right well, thing. Well, that part of property planning, a lot of people overlook, I think. There, there is no plan in their mind of what happens. God forbid something happens to anybody involved in this investment. Where does it go? Where does yeah. it live? Who carries it for? I mean, that's an important thing to figure out up front. So what would I like to do in the future? I mean, um, I'm a, I talk to people, obviously, and mm-hmm. I just bought my new cell phone and the young man who sold it to me, he's an investor. Hey. Yeah, it was really fun. I asked him what his side hustle was and he said, oh, I'm an investor. And he couldn't have been, he had to be under 30. He told me about Facebook groups. So mm-hmm. now I'm an investor of Facebook groups. And um, somebody put out the question, if you had $50,000, what would you do with it? Mm-hmm. And uh, somebody said a luxury trailer. And I was like, oh, oh. I love that idea. Yeah. Or a tiny Airbnb. I, I love the friends. That are, I have some yeah. friends that are basically buying and retooling um, tra- like trail parks now. Mm-hmm. Trailer parks. Mm-hmm. It seems to be very, like, it seems to be pretty lucrative. Yeah, they turn it into like a glamping experience, right? Where there's like a smaller place where you can stay and then there's a community setting where you can go eat or there's campfires or whatever. And they I rent out each individual that. trailer. Well, and what my real estate vibe now is saying is that people want multi-generational living. I'm I seeing so. that in the so- South Loop. I'm seeing grandparents in condos, families Particularly with rent going so crazy, it hits mm-hmm. both ends, right? You have grandparents who got to make rent, you have kids who got to make rent, and both parties yeah. got to go somewhere. So you see these families now that have gone out to the world, but are, for one reason or another, being driven back together by health, by cost, whatever. But we see it working a lot like and that. And I also think desire. Yeah. I mean, that to be whole, close. that yeah. whole, you know, I commute an hour every day and I never see my family or my kids mm-hmm. or my kids don't know my great, my parents. I mean, I think people are going, wow, I really want this. And one thing that happened during the pandemic is our little parks started being used. Yeah. yeah. They're always used. I yeah. mean, there were blankets out there. There were people. I mean, it was the only thing that we could do. So it was really nice to see that. And if I were to move into the South Loop today and I had a family, I mean, two great schools there yeah. south loop community school jones commercial high school there's mm-hmm. private schools nearby to me walking to work and walking to school is quality of life yeah. i am not a commuter I, and that's one of the reasons that i moved into the south loop so long ago people were moving to neighborville that was mm-hmm. the big thing yeah. 90 minute commute is not yeah. exciting people are still moving to neighborville <laughs> i hear I it's a nice town i've been day. once or twice brutal <laughs> Yeah. It's not worth the commute. I, I think if you live there, you stay there. You stay it's there. kind of a you small They all say they're coming back down. You don't come to the city. <laughs> Nobody comes from Naperville to hang out. And I don't really like going from the city to Naperville either. It's a big pain in the ass. Well, that's great. So I think, and maybe maybe this is as good a point as any to kind of let you have some closing thoughts for the audience here is you've been through one of the more truly and sincerely interesting buying experiences and selling experiences throughout these number of properties. If you were talking to a young investor thinking about getting started or maybe who's afraid of the journey, what would you share with them down to maybe resources that you would recommend that would help them or how you learned and enabled yourself or just objective tips that you've learned from being a landlord and owner, I mean, a successful seller and investor now? I would say it's not hard, but it's not easy. 
Mm-hmm. And I would say, keep talking to people and asking. I would say to do it. It's yeah. a business where you can make an income and you can make a profit. And um, I think it's rewarding. It's tangible. It's something that you can, you know, feel like, wow, I'm doing something versus putting money in the stock market. I don't know what they're going to do with my money, but I can go and live in this property. And right. My realtor actually said, don't buy anything that you won't live in. Because chances are you may have to. Yeah. And, I like uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I've ever heard That's that great before. Advice. I, I do like that. Like, you might have to live there sometime. Yeah. I, and I would say, too, look at the landscape of your life. Like, what works for you? And yeah. stay out of the narrative. Yeah. yeah. Because, um, you know, just in these past six months, I mean, it's just been crazy. So if people can have roommates, that's great. Mm-hmm. I would like to see these roommates buying and bringing their money together to buy something versus just to rent from someone else. I would do that. Yeah. It all comes to mindset. For me, I wouldn't like to have a roommate. Some people love it and that's great for them, but I just hate to see them spending that money when they could be doing it together and it's right. fun. Um, I would say learn, ask questions, take resources, do things other people wouldn't do. I took a class at the Chicago uh, Realtors Association. Fantastic. And most people don't even recognize they have free public resources to non-real estate agents. Yeah. yeah. Like if I were a realtor, I'd get credit, but I didn't get credit. But I learned a lot. I had coffee with the man who Mm -hmm. gave the class and he just, he kind of gave us the ins and the outs. And um, I love it. I think that you should, you know, if we had people that were business owners, we'd have a hundred percent employment. I mean, if people thought so this true. Way, yeah, sure. we, we are such advocates on the show on the podcast and everything that we do every day of just general home ownership, but long-term wealth building through real estate. And I think Absolutely. that the way you started that was such a simple idea and then expanding the way it did and still having a focus forward on new opportunities uh-huh. that are expanding with the horizon, right? I don't think we would have been talking tiny homes 20 years ago, but right. I think the better you stay ahead of that, the more you enable yourself for the future. And it's truly, mm-hmm. this has been a fascinating conversation. I hope that everybody's gotten a lot out of this because I think we learned a lot as your co-host today. And I learned hopeful. a lot. I learned so. a lot just by sharing the story. And I guess I would say share the story too. Don't yeah. be embarrassed. And um, when 2008 hit, I was embarrassed to talk to my accountant. Now people are on speed dial. I'm yeah. like, I ask questions and I'm not embarrassed. If you I, don't say you know, anything, how can you get help? That's right. right. You've got to mm-hmm. bring the right people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much. This of course. Great. Thank you for coming on. Wonderful. Remember to like, subscribe, and follow if you enjoyed this conversation. We will have links in the show notes so that you can get in touch with Alicia if you'd like to touch Jace. Uh, Thank you for your time today and we'll see you next time. Thank you.